0: Um, but leadership at a higher level, before we get into the coaching thing to me, is um, I've kind of termed it like uh, CVS, like, um, <laughs> which is you're responsible for stealing the culture. The culture, it's the leadership in the organization. It's not going to just happen. As you said, you have to be intentional with it. The next is V, which stands for vision, is laying out a shared vision is so powerful. Guys, here's where we're going. If you know that what you're trying to create three years down the road really well, all of a sudden all these decisions and changes make total sense. Yep. If you have no idea where this person's going and things are changing, you're like, whoa, 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 like, that's gonna be working just fine. A shared vision is incredibly powerful. And the third one is st- standards of excellence. Mm. It's, again, it's not what you talk about, it's what you tolerate and laying out exactly what's, that's what leadership's responsible, for, culture, vision, and standards.
1: We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. Hello, Ben. Hi, Patrick. How you doing? Great. Good. Today we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to we're going to dive back into uh, business and affiliate, um, related subjects. Uh, specifically, we're going to talk about something that you've actually built an entire seminar around. Uh, you called it the, the affiliate excellence. Uh, now it's affiliate excellence 1.0 cause you, you sort of moved on to mm-hmm. another, um, a sort of an, another deep, uh, deep dive, which is amazingly named 2.0. 2.0. Yes. Very creative. <laughs> so we're going to today, um, talk about the, the, uh, the co- the concepts and the material that are in that 1.0 seminar um, specifically uh, in that seminar you lay out what uh, you call and it's obviously very affiliate related so mm-hmm. so the language is affiliate related but I think we're going to be able to get into uh, a broader mm-hmm. conversation than that but in the seminar itself it's called the theoretical development of an affiliate um, and much like the theoretical development of an athlete you uh, you throughout through the through the conversation you walk people through uh, the pyramid by which you can start to think about how you're developing and, and building your business. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to walk through the theoretical development of an affiliate, theoretical development of a business. Where where in that conversation do we begin? What's at the bottom of that, uh, that pyramid?
0: Yeah, so um, it is... It, it is the theoretical development for me of a business mm-hmm. now we'd use it as an affiliate because that's the reference point for who we're talking to but if i was to go and create a semiconductor business this is how i would go and build that if i was to go and build a a, a team essentially if i was going to build a you know be a coach of a um division one football team mm. this is how i would go and build it so it's really like you're building an organization Yep. so the bottom in, of the pyramid the base the most important piece that we want to be focusing on is culture Mm -hmm. in the crossfit community it's been refined to be community so for us as an affiliate and this is where it's um as an affiliate because our customers are a part of our business they actually dictate a lot of the feel and the of of the gym so we kind of interchange the word community and culture but if i was creating a a business where i was selling widgets you would think the word culture so in our world, people hear culture, people hear community, and they think of when I talk to a new affiliate, so they're like, I'm going to open up a gym, and we're going to create a great community, and here's what we're going to do we're going to do um, open houses, we're going to bring a friend days, we're going to have this big grand opening, we're going to celebrate birthday parties, we're going to have competitions, and we're going to go um, have socials every weekend. And that's great, and that's fantastic. It also doesn't build a community at all. Those are the bare necessities of owning a gym. That's the equivalent of saying, you know, we're going to be a great family because we're going to go on ski trips, celebrate birthday parties, and go to our kids' soccer games. That's what you do because you're a family. Right. To be a great family, you have to go way above and beyond and dig way deeper than that. To have a great community or great culture in your organization, you have to go way deeper beyond that. And It starts with establishing, I almost shudder when I say this, but like establishing core values. Mm -hmm. Because what everyone does is they create core values and they go away. We've created core values that every single member in our gym knows because we live and breathe them and they are humble, hungry, and happy when we hire people that is what we're looking for and happy is kind of like we we change that internally to be people smart mm-hmm. so how do you you know your eq the emotional um iq so how are you with dealing with people and here's um here's the kind of like the the shortcut is You have to realize what your business is. Mm -hmm. And on the outside looking in, it looks like our business is fitness. It looks like our business is getting people to lose weight, to lower their triglycerides, to get off diabetes medication, to lower their body fat, to increase their clean and jerk, decrease their mile time, to be more formidable human beings. And it's not our business is to create relationships. We're in the relationship business. And if we can create strong relationships, everything else falls into place. So knowing that, it becomes a matter of dissecting relationship building. And when you go into that, what you realize is the number one most important thing in terms of building um, relationships is this theory, which is, I think it was Stephen Covey type's probably was is this I uh, think or maybe it was Carnegie the emotional bank account Do you know who did, who it was did Covey, it? Covey. Yep. the emotional bank account and that's what we use when we talk to our staff is we want to build wealth build our in our relationships with other people by putting more deposits in and limiting the withdrawals so if we know what that looks like all we have to do is know what withdrawals and deposits are well in the relationships, Withdrawals are things like intimidating, ignoring, dishonesty, um, um, miscommunication, um, gossiping behind people's backs, and you can you get the picture. Yep. It's all these things that if someone was doing to you, if you were out to dinner with somebody, and while you're talking to them, having this conversation, they're constantly kind of looking over you know, underneath the table at their cell phone, like that's disinterest. Mm-hmm. They're not, that's, you're not going to be as invested in that relationship. Similar, if you say to me like, um, you know, Ben, let's go Saturday morning. Let's go to the track at 5 a.m. And I show up at 5 a.m. on track and you're not there. I'm like, what's the deal? I might mm-hmm. give you the benefit of the doubt. And then, and you're like, no, no, I'll be there tomorrow. I'll be there <laughs> on Sunday. Let's do it on Sunday instead. So I'm there on Sunday at 5 a.m. And you don't show up. That's two broken promises. That's withdrawals from bank account. All of a sudden, like our relationship is going to be nowhere near where it would have been if you'd showed up and you were waiting for me at 5 a.m. for those two times. It's as simple as that. So the flip side of that is how do you find deposits? And deposits come in many different forms from very simple things like following through on promises, keeping, um, um, building trust, using people's names, your body language. But the biggest one that kind of affects... (laughs) Kind of everything is this word again that I'm gonna shudder to use because it's overused and misinterpreted is integrity. And, you know, integrity is a lot of people's core values. It's a lot of, um, it it shows up in a lot of mission statements in corporations. Enron, Mm -hmm. the biggest corporate fraud, one of their core values was integrity. So Mm -hmm. it means nothing unless it means everything and actually dictates how you run your business. And to me, the first thing you have to do is define it. And the way I would define integrity is doing the right thing regardless. And that's regardless of how big or small it is and regardless if anyone's ever going to find out about it. It is how do you act when you're sure no one's going to find out about this? So if you know someone's going to, would you cheat on your taxes if you knew 100% you would get away with it? If you would, that's not integrity. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if someone's gonna find out about it. So then how do we pull that back into the business? In our world, and I I own a few different, I'm part of a few different businesses, but let's talk about the affiliate, because that's kind of the one that probably is most pertinent to the audience, is there's really easy things you can do to coach with integrity. That your coaches, this is how you build culture. And you uphold the standards it's not what you talk about it's what you tolerate so things like super simple like hands-free coaching your hands your coaches should never have um their hands in their pocket or holding something while they're coaching whether that be a phone the um the remote control for the clock or a coffee Mm -hmm. they should never be sitting down or leaning against a post they should never have um, sunglasses on or be chewing gum. Like it's just easy, easy things like that. A little bit tougher things to do is how do you act when that member walks in that you're not super psyched he's in your class? Maybe he's a guy that um, is disruptive. He you don't get along well with him. He um, he's an attention whore, whatever it is. He's a, he's somebody that is. Um, is a withdrawal from the community. The easiest thing to do in that scenario with a member like that is whatever, what you tell me, what's the easiest thing to do? That member walks in, you're like, ah, damn it, he's in my class. What's the easiest thing to do? Ignore him. Exactly, and every time that you ignore that athlete, you're making a withdrawal, not from that athlete, but from the community emotional bank account. So the culture of your organization is taking hit after hit after hit Every day you ignore that athlete. What's the harder but maybe more meaningful thing to do with the athlete? He walks in the gym. Instead of ignoring him, what should we do? Talk to him. Talk to him. And that's literally it. Like you don't have to have some meaningful conversation. You don't have to know how to do tactful conflict resolution. You don't know how to have to have um, this mean heart-to-heart or even or fire him as a. But literally, just like talk to him. Mm-hmm. And as you talk to him about like. Like, Jim, what's up, man? How was your weekend? What you're doing is putting deposits in his bank account. And over time, you'll build up enough wealth with that member that you'll build, that your emotional bank account will be strong enough that you can have that tactful conversation. Mm -hmm. And you can have that conversation where he walks in, you go, Jim, what's up, man? Hey, I know you love being here and I love that you're here, man. You work so hard. Just a heads up, when you walk in, your body language doesn't give off this feeling that you want to be here. And I just don't want to rub off on the other members. So maybe, dude, let's turn that frown upside down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you high five and you walk on. And that's little, kind of like that. Now, you don't want to do that on day one because you haven't built up the bank account with that athlete. So it's going to come off as a huge withdrawal Mm -hmm. and he's going to be more pissed off. I don't know if it takes an hour or a week, a month, or a year before you're able to have that conversation. But if you know how to, do that if you know how to make deposits and limit withdrawals, if you know that your business is related to business, then you can speed up that process mm-hmm. and it takes practice.
1: Um, one thing that I I've, I've, i don't think I've ever asked you about or we've talked about, so this is a, this is a good uh, excuse for me to ask you about, uh, and that's core values. I know it's something that you have put a lot of stock in uh, across your life, both personal and, and across the businesses. Um, and what, I, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm wondering about is when I, when I think about core values and when I work with affiliates on developing their core values, the, the thing that I think about and, and try to express to them is that when you figure out your core values, what you're really doing is you're, you're, you're giving yourself um, a roadmap by which you can make decisions later, yeah. later on in the future. Right? Yep. You mentioned that uh, you mentioned integrity, and if it's a core value, then it by Virtue of that, it needs to dictate some decisions. So I'm really curious: is that similar to how you think about core values? And if so, how maybe you can you can tell us a little bit about how happy, hungry, and people smart has allowed you to make decisions, specifically because you guys have identified and you've identified these are the things we are, and these are these are what we do. Um, I'm curious if you can kind of take that away from the. The core values conversation, kind of like you said it, like it can feel like very woo-woo and put it on a poster. Super and, high level. Yeah. T- like, but, fuzzy. But and, done yeah. well, it's, it's it's really tactical. Yeah. So I'm curious, can you bring, can you cross over for us a little bit and tell us a little bit about maybe one or two scenarios where you're you able to say, we did this because... Yes. We're humble, hungry, and and people smart. So every
0: hire and fire we make is based off of humble, hungry, and people smart. We hire based off of three different things. The first is character. That is the most important. we talk about character, what we're talking about is humble, hungry, and people smart. The next one is ability, and that is coaching ability for the coaches that we're hiring. And the third that we think we hire for is skills, which is okay. You're good with WordPress. You're good at social media. You're good with a hammer, like <laughs> that. That's our third thing. And that's just kind of like a nice icing on the cake. So character, uh, ability, and skills. The character we're defining our character by our core values so we have to then further define you have to define these things without definitions it's like what everyone was doing before everyone's trying to get fit right oh should i lift weights or should i go running right i don't and you have this debate like who's fitter like i don't know once you define it it's really easy to figure that out right so if you define what Um, humility is, then all of a sudden you can figure it out. And for us, it's things like um, puts the team above themselves, embracing feedback. You think about things like hunger, you define what it is. Well, for us, that's ridiculous work ethic, fanatical attention to detail, going above and beyond. You think about people smart, it's like positive body language, um, um, being tactful and approachable to everybody. And once you define those things, then what we've done is you create scenarios for all these things to accept... that have happened actually happen to exemplify how these things represent themselves in the gym. Mm. So, putting others above yourself. So, in a um, in a um, coaching scenario, let's say that you have one of your coaches that has done classes, they've coached, and then they're going to go and um, they're going to go and lift themselves, and they're getting ready to hit a one rep max snatch. And as they're getting ready to hit that one rep max snatch, one of their members comes up from their class before they're not coaching now; they're off the clock comes up and it's like, Ben, you know, I ripped my hands. Can you figure out, can you tell me what to do about this? Like, is that bad? If you're like, Whoa, well, let me just hit this snatch and I'll be right with you. That is not one of our core values. Mm-hmm. And that's when we hired competitors. That's what that's we
1: interesting. got. Interesting.
0: Yeah. When we got, when we hired competitors, no one would take and jump on a class when somebody else was away because it was about their working out. Yeah. It wasn't about going above and beyond for the team. It wasn't about other people. It was, we also, as we've talked about before on this, we are so into the feedback loop. We so importantly, when after every single class, are we have we've set it up where every one of our coaches takes another one of our coaches' classes. I take the six thirty, which Bud coaches. Um, Bud takes the six takes the eight thirty, which I coach. We are feedback buddies. After the class, I give him one thing I think he could improve upon, not what you hit out of the park, not you're so good at this. That doesn't help us move forward. We give one tactical piece of feedback of something that he could work on and then he does it back to me. Now, not everyone is back and forth like that. That just happens to be the way that ours works out. Um, So that is, you have to have a huge level of humility, embracing feedback, being coachable to have that. So when we are hiring people, this is what we're hiring by. We are literally have this discussion amongst our team. We're like, are they, we call it, we shortened up by saying, are they one of us? Mm-hmm. And one of us means that they're humble, hungry, and people smart. When we let people go, we're usually letting people go either because of one of two things. Um it's either that they are they're no longer meeting our core values or Uh, what we call GWC, which, um, by the way, I'm stealing all of this stuff, I didn't make this stuff up. (laughs) Um, Humble Hungry People Smart comes from Patrick Lencioni, wrote the book The Ideal Team Player, Mm -hmm. amongst other great books like Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, And the other part is GWC comes from Gino Wickman, wrote the book Traction. Um, GWC stands for Get It, Want It, Capacity to Do It. So do they get the job? Do they understand why this coaching thing is important for Mm -hmm. our organization? Luckily, all of our coaches get that, but some of them yeah. don't get the other stuff. We put someone in charge of facilities and they don't understand why facilities is important or right. why this front desk position is important. They just see it as like their hourly job. Well, yep. they don't get it. Want it is like they get up on Monday mornings excited to go to work. They got to want this position. Some people love to pound hammers and build the facility. I would not. That's mm-hmm. not me. But you would have a handy person that loves that, get their hands dirty. That would be a phenomenal position for them. And last one is capacity to do it, which is literally both the skill set. They have the ability. They know they, they have the skills to do it. Like I don't for facilities <laughs> and or like anything technology. I would not be a good fit there. <laughs> um, and then also second time part of that is capacity. So we've let go other coaches that have been coached for us that have been um, um, first responders, firefighters. It seems like a great fit, right. but their schedule is so morphing. It ended up that they didn't have the capacity to, contrib- to contribute on a consistent basis to a class. Mm-hmm. That's not the right fit for us. Right. It's either they are not, they don't have the character, or the
1: GWC. Right. I love that you use the the hiring process as your as your example because uh, we're talking about building culture and in a gym. Especially a gym the size of CFNE where you're coaching, you know, you're coaching one class a day. Yep. So it really is up to your coaches to to both further the overall structure of the culture and the community that you wanna that you're building and you wanna continue to build, but also letting them or, or them needing to sort of build microcultures within yeah. their own classes, right? Yep. So it's interesting that if you get the people right that's that's the key that's sort of the turnkey yeah. to getting the culture right
0: that kind of leads into some stuff we're going to talk about later on which is both systemization we've yeah. systemized how to build culture both um through our staff and through our classes and leadership and how to um, build leaders as well yeah so all both of those have been kind of like formatted so kind of full disclosure is I own, I own a gym mm-hmm. uh, you know it's a 400 member CrossFit gym um I coach one class a day yeah and then besides that, I'm responsible for two other hours in the week. I do what we call a level 10, which is um, one hour a week. And I go to a coach's meeting one hour a week. And that's the extent of what I do for managing the gym because we've done a good job um, creating this organizational structure. Right. Now it's taken 11 years to get there. <laughs> right. and the, the And the ups and downs getting there were crazy. And like the amount of mistakes and roller coasters yeah. and emotional distress was, I'm not exempt from the, the entrepreneurial right. ride that everyone else went right. yep. on. Yep. Um, I I just feel really good about where we are in the last probably two years since we've really put this into practice. Okay.
1: So let's let's move up the up the ladder a little bit. We've got culture at the base of this theoretical develop, development of a, uh, an affiliate or a business. What comes on top of that? What's the next thing to focus the on? The next
0: one is product, and the product is you know obviously if you're Apple, it's uh, consumer electronics. For us, it's coaching CrossFit. Um, a couple of things about product is staying um, true to your niche and your specialty and not getting distracted by the bright, shiny objects. So Apple's done a great job of this. They only have a product line of about four different items, right? But They're actually like, getting
1: worse at it, but they used to be it, much better.
0: Yeah, So, and shocker, Steve yeah. Jobs is no longer there, yeah. so... The, the the stalwart, the, the person, the, the leader to say, no, we're sticking to this because yep. the bright, shiny objects are so shiny, yep. right? It's so hard to steer away from those things. So for us as a CrossFit gym, our product is coaching CrossFit. Now, as we just talked about, I've made all the mistakes. Like we didn't do this all the time. And we're like, hey, you know what we should do is like, let's do an Olympic lifting class and let's do a yoga class and let's do... Fill in the blank and we've done it. (laughs) Mobility, like um, um, kettlebells, like gymnastics. We've tried all these sort of specialty classes. You staying true to what you do well and doing it really well is kind of what that's about. And then the second part of that is figuring out what are the things that um, are the measurables for you to make that thing happen. For us, it's essentially, um, it's our class procedures and staying really true to the class Procedures. Now, it doesn't mean every single person is doing it exactly the same in every single class. We have a format and then we give people autonomy inside of the format. So, if you format this, and that's basically like if we're any other business, you create this kind of like framework Mm -hmm. for the products and then let the creative people make it better inside of it. Mm -hmm. That's what Greg Glassman's doing. We have this affiliate model. Now, you guys go make this thing better. That's the product side of this. And we want to think about when we think about product development is. Where do you kind of slide on this scale of, which we talked about before, from complacency to competence to excellence? Mm -hmm. If you are on one end of the bell's curve, which is complacency, it's basically like you come in, you turn on the lights, you write the workout on the whiteboard, you explain the workout, you help people get warmed up a little bit, you say three, two, one, go, you you cheer some people up, you turn the music (laughs) up, you high five people at the end. And I believe that's complacency. That's Mm the bare minimum. Now, competency is in the middle, which is like, I'm trying to make this thing better. Like I want it to be better, but I don't really know how to make certain things better. Equally as detrimental is I don't know what I'm not good at. I don't know what I don't know because I haven't been exposed to enough. So I think I'm doing this really well. And if it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of effort, I'm kind of like, eh, it's not really worth it. Right. People are showing up, and I'm kind of like you're com- you're you're complacent. You're you're competent. It's happening. You're working. You're paying the bills. But on the uh, the farther end of the bell curve, the other side is excellence, and excellence is fanatic. We talked about this recently, but it's a fanatical attention to detail while putting first things first. So everything matters. Everything down to um, the way your coaches make eye contact, the way they say three. To- Like we have systemized the three, two, one, go. Mm -hmm. It sounds ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It matters when you see it in action. It makes Mm -hmm. such a difference the way the coaches say three, two, one, go. So just so it doesn't sound like so abstract, here's what you hear a lot in gym. So athlete set, may not even athlete set, but they just go three, two, one, go. And there's, or it's it's even less than that. We're starting now. Like (laughs) what we do is you say um, the name of the workout, the format of the workout, um, what it starts with, and then it goes. Oh, so what we say is, we're doing, so this is literally like after the athletes get all warmed up. All right, 8.30, we're doing Fran. <laughs> 21.59 of thrusters and pull-ups. Athletes set, boop. And what that does, it sounds like, like why does that matter? Mm-hmm. Fanatical attention to detail of putting first things first. Why that matters is because it's a consistency. And the next time that person comes into class, they're going to feel okay stepping away from the bar for two seconds to take a couple breaths, grab some chalk, because they know that they have that lead up, that eight second lead up of athlete set, 8.30, let's get ready for Fran. We have 21, 15, nine thrusters and pull-ups. Athlete set, three, two, one. It's the long enough. It's an on-ramp. It's an on-ramp instead of. I'm not gonna step away from my bar (laughs) at all. I don't know when he's gonna say go. Or worse, I don't know that my coach is so inconsistent, so I am away from the bar. And all of a sudden the coach goes, go! And you're like, whoa, whoa! And you're, yeah. it allows me, I know when to take my breath. I know when Setting expectations. Exactly, and the consistency of it matters incredibly. We have that systemized for everything. That's the attention of the product, just like Steve Jobs finished the inside of the iPhone. Like the Mm -hmm. iPhone, the inside of it was beautiful. No one's ever going to see it because he got it from his dad who was a carpenter who finished the back of his cabinets that would go up against the wall Mm -hmm. that no one would ever see. But it's that attention to detail of the product that matters.
1: Um, Maybe briefly, can you talk about the product or uh, that philosophy as it relates maybe to a... Uh, another business that you're involved in maybe that's maybe noble or fuel for fire one of the two is just just as an example of uh to get people outside of the gym a little bit because that is a pretty narrow mm-hmm. uh a narrow environment
0: so for both of those businesses, i am involved in both those businesses yep. um but i don't have um control of the right day-to-day of course yeah, you don't get so, to make a phone call yeah so i'm not happens, making yeah. the decisions on what like but maybe what would so you and and thank god because i see <laughs> things come out noble i'm like what the hell is going on there and it's like bestseller <clears throat> yeah it's like so uh, obviously i'm not the fashion yeah, retail yeah, yeah. guys um but what they do is they do a phenomenal job of figuring out what is like um they came up with the runner the, the runner the running yep. shoe which was phenomenal it was not status quo it was this attention to detail of what i'm not going to do what everyone else in the industry is doing i'm going to do what i feel is the best thing possible it's innovative it's the best thing that they could possibly come up with, yep. and it's this attention to detail that matters and will drive them forward. If they just do what everyone else is doing, copy, copy, copy. If you copy best practices, you're probably gonna be okay. But that, that in my definition, is competence. Yep. That's like you're doing things okay. To be a, excellent, you have to be a bit of a trailblazer and be willing to take some risks. Yep. So in my world, that is like, ha, ha, be willing to take that kind of awkward conversation of like, mm. Your three, two, one, go is not to par. Like (laughs) what? Like what are you talking about? Yeah.
1: No, it matters. Here's why. And to go back to the the core values and the culture. If your coach hears that and thinks that what a stupid piece of feedback that is, it doesn't matter at all. If you have that person in there, then then you've done something wrong three steps ago. Absolutely. It's really interesting how connected they are.
0: Every so it. Yeah, that's a great way of saying it. It's like this: these things are all, there's blurry edges between yeah. each one of these things yeah. and they're all interconnected. As right. I said well, earlier. One doesn't end, you know, like Yeah, I said done before, it's like we're yeah. talking about culture, like yeah. we've systemized
1: culture. Well, yeah. systems come at the end of this right. thing. It's right, right. Like, um, real quick, before we move on to the next tier, uh, coaching CrossFit as the product, when I first heard it, and this is obviously a while ago now, that was really interesting to me. There's something very specific about the product being coaching CrossFit. The product is not CrossFit. It's not... A, a membership that somebody purchases in order to work out, right? It's very specific. How did you, uh, w- did you always realize that that was actually the product in in that, that was the thing, if you improved it, everything else would improve?
0: No, uh, we thought our product was fitness. Yeah. We thought our product was getting people. F- that was, that's also, so that's why I we went down all these rabbit holes, right. all these different auxiliary, you know, um, product lines yep. and different SKUs of, let's do a spin, let's do a cardio, let's do a weightlifting, let's do a, and when we've kind of figured out like the saying I I like to use, I'm sure I stole it from somebody is, um, it's better to do a, a kick-ass half than a half-assed whole, Mm -hmm. which yeah, you can do all these different things. It's really hard, really, really hard to do one thing really, really, really well. Right. It's even harder to do two things really, really well. And it's damn near impossible to do three things on a world class level. Mm-hmm. Well, our one thing that we do really, really well is CrossFit. We coach CrossFit really, really well. Obviously, debatable in opinions, and mine's very biased. <laughs> but um, if you know, we recently had um, somebody. Actually, my my wife was like, "We should do a yoga." And this comes up probably every yeah. four to six months. Yep. We should do a yoga class. And I told her the same thing I give the response to everyone else that suggests that. I'm like. I would love to do that, it would be phenomenal. But we're not gonna do it as well as the yoga studio which is literally down the street. If you want a great yoga experience, I think you should go to the pros, like go to the people that do it. And I know we could do everything underneath one roof, but what we're gonna do by that is dilute even the product that we do really well because we're gonna have to pour resources in some form or fashion time, energy, money, stress, whatever it is, we're gonna have to pour some resources into that. By definition, there's a limited, finite amount of resources. They're not, you don't just like kind of- You don't get to get more time or energy. Exactly, so we're gonna have to pull some away Mm. from something else to put it there. That's not what I wanna do. I wanna double down on our strengths in this area. Really cool.
1: Okay, so the next one um, is, uh, my favorite, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but but what what the conversation we've had so far is really interesting to me. Um, so the next one, not to not to beat around the bush, is marketing. Um, the the really interesting thing to me about where where you've placed it in the in the the development here is product first, uh, and then marketing. And what's really interesting culture to me, product marketing culture marketing yep. exactly. And what's really interesting to me is like the your talk you when you talk about. Um, sort of complacent or, or competent, that being sort of um, that's what's expected of you in in some ways, that's meeting spec. Everything you do above that is excellent. And for me, thinking about it that way and thinking about everything you do above that is actually marketing and branding, right? Mm -hmm. If you do a good job, Mm -hmm. if you just do a good job coaching uh, your classes, that's great but that's also what people expect of you when they sign up. They expect you to to give them a good class. When you get into the territory of excellence, that's that's where you're building a brand and that's where you're doing some interesting things. So talk to us about what marketing is in your yeah. mind and how product and marketing uh, maybe interplay so much so that, that one strengthens the other uh, and vice versa. Okay. Um.
0: I really like what you just said there and um, it got me thinking and this is the first time I've actually like, I'm going to formulate this in real time right now um, because I've never actually thought about this until you said it. Mm -hmm. Um, There's actually a difference between um, product and service. Mm. So product technically is you're selling a widget. You're selling a good. Somebody walks away with it and they use it somewhere else. Where a service is you're providing, like what we do as a service. If... You're selling a product, um, you could flip these two. Cause good distribution beats a good product. Mm-hmm. Having incredible marketing and branding and an okay product will beat a great product with okay distribution. Yep. with advertising and so on. It's it's more like having content like Coca-Cola, like what think about like the amount of money people put towards. Like they're putting billions of dollars towards marketing; they're not putting it towards product development. Right. So it's a, a good distribution, a good platform will beat a good product. You know, Instagram having you know 50 million people or WhatsApp or whatever these have huge platforms. That's the distribution through marketing is more important to them than fixing the bugs in the widgets, mm-hmm. right? Fixing the, all the little things. <coughs> but when it's a service it's not flipped. When it's mm. service, it's the way that I laid it out. Mm-hmm. Where it goes, community or culture, then you have to work on the service. You have to work on that kind of like, mm. that deliverable. Because if you have a bad service, you go to bad restaurants. Yep. If you yeah. have bad food, it doesn't matter how good the marketing is. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, like you might buy something for Apple just because you want to be a part of the Apple thing because mm-hmm. they've created such a strong brand. Even if, some other cell phone company comes up with something that's better you know maybe the Samsung is a better product but I just want to be with this mm-hmm. this this thing yep. because of what it stands for yep. the service thing is about um is about the product first mm-hmm. so that's kind of like I just kind of thought of that for the yeah. first time um um but when I think about marketing I think of kind of two different avenues of marketing one is advertising and the other is the word that you use which is branding yep. Um, they're not mutually exclusive. Um, you could do both, but I think depending on the industry you're in, one will have a little bit more influence than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, one certainly a lot easier to do than the other. So let's kind of define what those things look like. Um, advertising is what most people think of when they think of br- marketing, branding, mm-hmm. advertising. They think of this advertising. It's you know everything from like the traditional like TVs, radio, prints, to more guerrilla tactics like. Speaking um, engagements, um, contributing to um, charities and auctions, um, having uh, leadership positions, getting your name out in the community. But it goes right down to like your trifold brochures and your business cards and yep. um, all those things. Your website, that's all kind of like lives under the advertising umbrella. Mm-hmm. Website's a little debatable. Um, branding is very different branding is like the feel it's the feel of your business so um when you think about advertising um it works really well for a couple of the businesses i'm involved with like like noble or kill like they're like um those businesses you know CompTrain yep. is advertising really moves the needle there a lot and now in the digital age it's digitalizer you know it's facebook and google and those type of things
1: you don't have a CompTrain trifold Right, sure. yes, right, exactly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> dating myself there. Um, so here's the way in terms of advertising, the way I like to think of that. Most people in the marketing world have heard of um, the 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 sales funnel, yep. which is you trying to create as much aware, think of a funnel. At the top level of the funnel, you're trying to create as much awareness as you possibly can. From there, from everyone's aware of your brand, you're trying to get as many people to convert into the next part of the funnel, which is gonna, you're not gonna get everybody into consideration where they're like, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking about joining a gym. That's, they're considering your gym mm-hmm. and they don't know whether to go to SoulCycle or CrossFit or they're trying to think about this CrossFit versus that CrossFit. And then you finally get people in the smallest one, which is people that convert and they become, they purchase. So it goes awareness, consideration, purchase. I actually like to further define it. I think I got this from... um Duct tape marketing. Um, mm. Do you know who that is, John? Yeah,
1: we've talked about it a little bit. I don't remember uh, his name. But.
0: I'm blanking on it. Um, a marketing guru, and he further defines it. I love it. It's a marketing hourglass. Mm-hmm. So instead of awareness, consideration, purchase, I it's know, like, trust, try, buy, repeat, refer. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just further defines those things. So how many people know you, are aware that you exist? That's the old awareness one. Yep. But then from those people, it doesn't go right to, Purchase, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a great to consideration, that you gotta get them to, to like you. Mm-hmm. And then from once they like you, then they can trust you. And once they trust you, then they'd be willing to buy from you. And once they buy from you, it doesn't stop there. It actually gets bigger because now they are advocates walking around and they're walking billboards, spilling out your message of why you should, other people should be, and it actually gets bigger yep. and then refer other people and it gets bigger again. So mm-hmm. it's a marketing hourglass. Mm-hmm. What you want to do in each of those is define who sits in each one of those categories. Then the goal is what's the what's the, how do we convert them? How do we get people from the awareness level? So the awareness level is easy. So it's why Nike puts the swoosh on the um, everywhere. Everywhere. Right. <laughs> yeah, literally. It's yeah, it why is. McDonald's has their, you know, you watch an NHL hockey game. And there's just the logo on the boards. Mm -hmm. That's just for awareness purposes. It's like, hey, we're here, we're relevant. And being relevant is very, very important. If you're out of mind, you're out of sight and Mm -hmm. they're not gonna purchase So you gotta stay in front of people. That's why Coke is everywhere as well. So um, you're trying to create as much awareness. Then from there, how do you get people from aware to like you? Well, that's creating strong content. That's getting people to uh, engage with you on social. Then from there, how are you gonna get people to Trust you. Well, trusting is like the people that are opening up your newsletter and reading it and the people that are um, reaching out on a podcast and commenting and the people that are coming to visit you in store, like those people trust you. They're taking time out of their busy schedules to actually further, further engage on a much deeper mm-hmm. level. Those people you're trying to get to actually convert, to, to, to buy. And then from buy, how do you get those people to be continue Buy again. Mm-hmm. And then those people want to become repeat customers. How do you get them? It's all these triggers. You're just putting triggers in place where you need them. The cool thing is you find out where is, so if you're converting, you know, 50% from from each level, and then all of a sudden you find out like in one of those things, it's only at 6%. You're leaking somewhere. You're leaking somewhere. You put the efforts there. Exactly right. So After you get someone to buy, you're not having any trouble getting everyone in and they're buying, but people are only sticking around for a month if you have a subscription service. Well, guess what you need to do? It's not create more awareness. Mm -hmm. Don't put your name out more. That's not the issue. If you're a gym and you have 3,000 waiver forms, but you only have 60 members, you don't need more people to be aware of you. You need more people to sign up again. Mm -hmm. So you figure out where the sticking point is. That's advertising. Branding, on the other side, is everything you can do let me let me back up a little, is um, I like Greg Glassman's definition of advertising. Um, he's very anti-advertising, mm-hmm. and I am too for an affiliate, but mm-hmm. I'm not for other businesses. Right. Um, his definition in terms of like it affects affiliates is it's everything you can do to improve your business that does not improve your business, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is true. You put a million dollars towards advertising, your current customers don't benefit from that mm-hmm. at all. But if you put a million dollars towards branding, they benefit from a lot because branding is the sum of everything you do. It is make sure that every rower has the batteries in it. It is making sure that the bathrooms are clean. It is making sure that, um, the front desk staff is smiling and greeting people appropriately. It is, um, the super attention. We've talked about fanatical attention. Yep. detail. it's that, and it creates the feel in the gym. It's hard to say like, how does that create a feel? But it does mm-hmm. small, small things like the leaderboard, right? Even like I said, batteries in the rower. Yep. So imagine you have a class starting, you're gonna do a 2K row. Three, two, one, it's not gonna be like three, two, one, go, cause we talked about how to do right. better than that. But three, two, one, go, and someone goes, ah, ah, my battery's died, my <laughs> yeah. battery. How does that person feel? Yeah. Everyone else is getting ready to dig in, set new benchmarks and test themselves against one of the, the meanest, you know, the devil's race, a 2K row, and they they get this false start and they don't get to compete with everybody else. They're going to feel crappy. They're not going to feel as committed to the gym. Leaderboards. If you don't update the leaderboard every time a benchmark workout comes up, people are going to get separated from the feel of the community. But you update it the next day, and I'm telling you, people walk in, like, ah, oh, I feel special. Mm-hmm. It's a very different – so it's about this feel. You walk into the gym and you feel this thing. Mm-hmm. And the best way to think about branding is just attention to detail and no detail is left too small.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, to go back to what I said earlier about sort of you, you're meeting spec when, when those athletes do the 2k, you, you, the product is good. You coach them through it. That's what they expect. It's everything that happens above and beyond that. That's branding, right? It's the, it's the, it's the pride they feel it's yes. it's all that good stuff
0: it's really it's to me like um branding is what do your members say about you when yeah. you're not there mm-hmm. when they go home and they're at the cocktail party when they're the other soccer moms when they're at the um uh, um on a ski trip and someone goes hey you've been doing um crossfit at that gym what do you think about it whatever they say about you then mm-hmm. that is your brand
1: mm-hmm.
0: and now you have control over that yeah That's really important to realize. And you got to really dig in and see things from their perspective. You know, the Henry Ford quote of, you know, if there's one secret to success, it's the ability. I almost said one secret to sex. Yeah, I'd like to know his one secret to sex as well. (laughs) If there's one secret to success, it's the ability to see um, things from your customer's point of view as well as your own. Right. Where so many people are just seeing their business from their point of view. You got to figure out what they're saying about your business when you're not around.
1: Yeah, And and what you said earlier about culture is that, it doesn't just happen. And it's, I think that that's the, that's the big thing about branding and marketing that I think we've we've gotten a little bit lost within the affiliate community is this notion that if I if we do all the things that are supposed to build the right community an and we coach and we're a good CrossFit's coach. it's a great community. Then suddenly we're going to you know, have a great community. Yeah, and it just, if it, I sh- can, it can work like that, but, <sighs> but
0: man, is it, no, it risk. You'll, you'll fall into, you'll fall into yeah, confidence. You yeah. will, yep. you'll, you'll be okay. Yep. If you don't do it, um meaningfully with um intention yeah. if you don't brand and develop culture with intention so this morning um this is a, this is uh speaks to um culture I was reviewing um we're doing in the midst of a nutrition challenge and I was talking to my a30 class about it and um one of the um um athletes was talking about what they ate before the workout and they said I have um an apple with almond butter Mm-hmm. And I said, um, um, I was like, that's good, but maybe we shouldn't, we should skip out on the almond butter because it creates, and, uh, and people got like started razzing him. It's a super close. So people were razzing him like, oh, you, cause it's actually the second comment he made that mm-hmm. was kind of like, I was like, ah, actually, so like, oh, gotcha. for two, oh, <laughs> for two, like, and yeah. I was like, guys, and I didn't let it slide. Yeah. It's gotta be intention. Yep. Was, I didn't let it slide. I was like, guys, you're knocking him for contributing you're knocking him for putting himself out there and it, and contributing to the group, he's gonna get the most benefit out of all of these people, out of all, everybody here, because he was brave enough to say what right. he did. And if you're doing it right, and I say, yes, that's right, like, guess what, you don't get to change. Mm-hmm. If I say, no, you could do this better, then all of a sudden you will get to improve the most. It's not letting those small things slide. When people go, oh, oh for two, like, nice yep.
1: try, Will, like, it's like Because that's not celebrating hunger and, and humility. humility. I was
0: like, guys, yeah. no, 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 no. He did exactly what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to be doing. Yes, yeah. calling it out at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think that to, what what you said is, is worth repeating, uh, just that you can build a brand with both empathy and intention. And I think that when you think about what, Marketing and branding is if you think just about those two things. I love that. And I would yes. add uh, specificity, which is kind of what you went back to before with the with the product. And we're gonna do CrossFit. And yep. We're gonna do it really well, and we're not gonna get those are the, those are the three pillars for me of what uh, makes a good brand.
0: Okay, so uh, specificity, empathy, and intention. And intention. Yep. Love that. Those are my three.
1: Um, okay, so uh, I think at some point we've talked about doing a whole episode on marketing. So I, I will save my geek outs and more questions cool. for that because. Yes. Uh, we want to get to the rest of the uh, the pyramid. So we've got culture, product, marketing. What's next? Management. The sexy stuff.
0: <laughs> so management, um, kind of like marketing, where there's two different avenues of advertising and branding. To me, there's two different kind of subsets to management as well. One is leadership, because management is not leadership. Right. They're they're different. And the other one is um business structure slash organization you need that management is responsible for that as well so kind of how are you setting up the business um the first piece of that of the leadership piece is um you know i i I like to reference the john maxwell thing you know the levels of leadership in terms of uh how to how to determine this but
1: at, and we've done episodes on that. And
0: we've done episode, so really quickly, kind of like it's it's about you know it's not leadership is not um, delegated. It's earned. You don't you don't just get it because it's assigned to you because you're someone's manager, yep. boss, or because you or coach. It doesn't mean that you have people's trust, respect, or that you can lead them. You have to earn it. And the first way to earn it is by not understanding it, is building a relationship with them. And that's why. Community is the first most important thing above product because if you don't work with the emotional bank account and build a strong relationship, you can't coach them. Mm -hmm. you're You're not a leader yet. You need to be able to build the relationship first. So what happens is these coaches go, I have my level one, I have my level two, I'm a level three, I'm a level four CrossFit coach. You should listen to me. And when they try to talk to people and what's going through those people's minds are, who do you think you are, like, <laughs> right. what do you like all second guessing? Yeah. Until it might that, not even be
1: conscious. It might, it, no, no, it's not conscious. <laughs> right. They're not saying that on purpose. Right.
0: Definitely not. Yeah. But what's happening what are you is, selling me is what they're thinking. Yes, yeah. exactly. So here's the example you're traveling somewhere and you have a rogue t-shirt on, you get on a plane. I would person, never do that. The yeah. person, you have a cloak off equipment t-shirt on, right? You have a CrossFit doing t-shirt yeah. on. They get on, you get on a plane, sit next to the person and they go, Oh, you're a crossfitter. I am too. You go, Oh, really cool. And they go, what's your friend time? Yeah. You go, it's four minutes. They go, I got this thing, just to let you know, I'm also a CrossFit level four coach, but I got this thing that will knock a minute off your friend time. You wanna buy it? Nope. Yeah, because you, you're like, what are you selling me? What? Yeah. That's what's happening when you're coaching somebody. I got this thing that will improve your performance. You want it? People are like, you wanna, wanna buy it? People are like, nope, not mm-hmm. really. But let's say you called up your brother and your brother's like, hey, you know, I started CrossFit a little while ago. He doesn't have the credentials. There's does have the credentials at all, but he goes, you know, I got this thing that I've tested at my gym and dude, Patrick, I think you should take it because it'll knock a minute off your friend time. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? Maybe. maybe yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you have a relationship with yeah. it. So it's like, it's like a maybe. Yeah. Now, what if he goes, you know, no, seriously, Patrick, I did this with my entire affiliate and 99 people, uh, we have a hundred people on our affiliate, 99 of them PR'd by a minute and one dude PR'd by four minutes. <laughs> Yeah, so what do you think? You I mean, want to try it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because what he's done there is he's gotten to the next level, which he's pr- proved results for other people. So that's level th- four, 3 of leadership, which is results-based. Then you try it and it knocks a minute off your friend time. You go from 3 from 4 to 3 minutes. You call him up and you're like, "Bro, that that totally worked." He's like, "I got another thing that works for Diane. You <laughs> want it?" Right. You're like, "Of course, like yes, yeah. of course it is." Of course you want it. Now because he's delivered results for you that's the how leadership works yep. you, what you're trying to do is develop get results for an individual but you can't skip the steps mm-hmm. you can't just try to get results for an individual without building a relationship first it's really really important that we understand that you have to do that first that's why the early stages of the learning process are not about points of performance they're about what are your goals i want to know about you where are you from? What's your history? The more I know and understand about you, the more comfortable you feel that I'm gonna have your best interest at heart. Yep. If you walk in and I don't ask you a question, and I go, let's throw 95 pounds on the bar. And you're like, okay. You're like, here's a squat snatch. That'd be the equivalent of you walking in a jujitsu jitsu place and then be like, here's this rear naked chokehold. <laughs> you're like, whoa, whoa, dude. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know you from anybody, yeah. and I don't know, you don't know me at, like, you have to build a relationship. So that's kind of the leadership side of things. Right. There's, a, there's a whole bunch more that goes into leadership. We've talked about more stuff on here. Um, but leadership at a higher level, before we get into the coaching thing to me, is um, I've kind of termed it like uh, CVS, like um, <laughs> which is you're responsible for stealing the culture. The culture, it's the leadership in the organization. It's, it's not going to just happen. As you said, you have to be intentional with it. The next is V, which stands for vision, is laying out a shared vision is so powerful. Guys, here's where we're going. If you know that what you're trying to create three years down the road really well, all of a sudden all these decisions and changes make total sense. If you have no idea where this person's going and things are changing, you're like, whoa, 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 like that's gonna be working just fine. A shared vision is incredibly powerful. And the third one is standards of excellence. It's, again, it's not what you talk about. It's what you tolerate and laying out exactly what's, that's what leadership responsible for, culture, vision, and standards. The other side of it is um, kind of the organizational structure side of things. And this is um, totally taken from um, Gino Wickman and Traction and um, entrep- Entrepreneurs Organizational mm-hmm. Systems, EOS.
1: Yeah, you mentioned them earlier with uh, GWC. Yes, exactly. So
0: um, this is how we structure it, which is, um, you create the, the mission, the vision, you create your uh, marketing strategy, your three kind of unique things about you. What are your core values? Where do you want to go in 10 years, three years? Where do you want to, what are your goals for the one year? What are your goals for the next quarter? And then holding people accountable on a weekly basis to make sure you hit those quarterly rocks. Uh, we call them quarterly yep. rocks. Um, if you structure the business that way with the appropriate checkpoints, essentially meetings, you ca- you strive towards on a, on a daily basis, you are holding people accountable. Again, not what you talk about, it's what you tolerate. It's about standards of excellence, hold people accountable. You're holding people accountable on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, to make sure we hit what we've determined as the most important things to get in the next 90 days. You do that rinse, wash, repeat four times, you're gonna hit your one-year goals. You hit that one-year goal three f- times, you hit your kind of long-term picture, you do that three, four times, you've hit your vision. Like, Mm -hmm. in 10 years, you are so much farther along. Now, it sounds kind of like, I went through that incredibly quickly. Um, (laughs) But here's what most organizations do, and certainly the affiliate world, is they open the doors, and then they start putting out fires. Yep. I gotta answer my emails, gotta pay the bills, gotta post <clears> next <throat> workouts um, thing. Man, we, I think we should hire another coach. We have a leaky faucet, should we buy more rowers? Uh, the cleaners didn't show up, and you're just putting out all these fires. And they're not growing and developing. You don't just like, this is what people think, is like. The, just it's, it's, a, it's a timeline. If I'm open for six months, we'll have 50 members. If I'm open for a year, we'll have 100. If I'm open for five years, we'll get to 250. That's not how it works. You have to be intentional with your growth and your membership will reflect or another business, your revenue or sales. It's all a reflection of the growth that you're taking on purpose. You're trying to drive your business towards greatness. Now it's kind of this Eisenhower matrix type thing. What most people get caught up in is these urgent things that are like they're putting out fires and putting out fires and putting mm-hmm. out fires, voicemail, bills, email, like the, the, the crying baby in the corner type thing. And they're never actually looking at the growth opportunities. What are the things that we can strategically putting in place to get us to the next level? Like maybe we should be creating a partnership with this other network down the street, with this medical network or Mm -hmm. university. Maybe we should be looking at um, building out um, new showers. Because if we do that, we get a better earlier crowd. Maybe we should be looking at hiring a nutritionist. Maybe we should dot, dot, dot that's how you grow it's not just like you let things fall into your fall into your right. lap and take advantage of right. them when they come
1: um just for folks who do the eisenhower matrix is basically a way to just delineate things that are urgent but not important urgent and important important but not urgent and what's the one i'm missing i think both not urgent not important. not urgent <laughs> yeah yeah which is most things yes um <laughs> okay so that was just for folks who heard the term but didn't actually know what that was um okay Uh, that was a lot, uh, for management and I hadn't heard the CVS before. Is that relatively new for you? Just in terms of, I put an uh, acronym to it. That's what I mean. Is is that relatively new? Cause I hadn't heard that yet. That's really cool. I think the thing about that, that, that's, that strikes me is that, that is a continuous process and not something you get to do once. And you've nailed it. Oh my gosh. I think especially the, the, the vision part of it. So much of being a leader is, uh, and we've talked about this before, is repeating the your vision at nauseum, at nauseum, far past the point where you're like, all right, everybody gets it, because they they that's only when they're started. Here's to um, this is this is actually um, I, I didn't do
0: the work to figure this out, but I I uh, listened to somebody else that did. Um, here's what most people think within they're doing a good job of laying. Let's say you you establish new core values, yep. right? You want to. It tells people how important this is to you. So what you do is you have an hour-long um, meeting to present the core values. Yeah. Then you follow that meeting up with an email. Then, um, you know, a week later. Then the week after that, you follow that up with a memo. And then at another meeting, you brief it again, 15 minutes. These are our core values. That sounds like you've done a lot. Over the course of six weeks, you've had these four touch points. You know, you're really doing a good job of making sure that these people hear that. When you do the the math of what that communication looks like—an hour-long presentation, fifteen-minute presentation, a full email, and another memo—it comes down to less than one percent of the communication that's happening within the organization. Mm-hmm. You're not for I, the most important. Yeah, for the most important <laughs> thing, and the thing that you think you're doing such a good yeah, job of yeah. communicating—that's why it's not resonating that's we, we when we talk about um something and we talk about all we another acronym abc mm-hmm. always be communicating we do it i mean it is it's kind of crazy like yeah. i'm i it takes seven times in marketing it takes seven times for me to hear you for the first time that's why you have to work so hard for awareness yep. um but we do it at every opportunity at every single coach's meeting everyone walks around everyone goes around the table and and shares an example of humility, hunger, or people smarts that they saw in the gym in the last month. So that's our eight employees going around the room and everyone sharing one. So they're getting eight touch points per week yeah. of that, how it represented themselves in the gym. Yeah. That's just, and then we also do um, principles where I present every quarter on the principles that matter in our organization. Yeah. And the principles are based off of, it's basically five, Um, touch points for humility hunger and people smarts and then we also do if then scenarios that relate to that then we talk about when we hire people it's like it's never ending Mm -hmm. so now all of a sudden this humble hungry smart thing it matters yeah and i was at i made a huge mistake of this because i used to change core values like every two three years (laughs) and it would be like yeah here's the new ones yep got it (laughs) and we're gonna change okay so we're changing coffee mugs (laughs) yeah okay so we're gonna get a new poster for the office and yeah, that's what I didn't understand how what it meant to um, reinforce, reinforce, yeah. reinforce. Um, just repetition. Re- so, like, sorry to cut you off. No, that's right. John Wooden's thing about learning yeah. is I, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably gonna butcher it, but it goes something along the lines of like um, explain, demonstrate, try, repeat, 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 <laughs> repeat, 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 repeat. Yeah. It's like it's repetition. Yeah, you have to just keep doing it.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say that we had mentioned earlier. Or you had mentioned earlier, like w- why the McDonald's f- logo is on the inside of the hockey arena? It's because they want to make sure you they, you see it. Yeah, a lot, a lot. It's not because you're going to see it and and. Purchase oh, I want to go to hamburger. Right, that's not how it works. No, nope. it's the same thing. It's 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 the number of times. It's it's the frequency that exposures. Matters. Yeah, you gotta just get exposures. Okay, last one um, is systems. Yes, which is even sexier than management. Oh man, now so now <laughs> talk to us about what systems are, what you mean by that, and then how how you've gone about uh, developing them.
0: Okay, so a system is basically putting a, um, um, a standard, an SOP, a standard operating procedure. So it's taking the five, six, whatever, seven kind of key things to your business and um, putting them on paper. That's literally what this means. It's like when you systemize something. So it doesn't need to be this long-drawn thing. You use bullet points. It's just like really quick, but something to reference that this is how this thing goes. So... For a gym, it's like super like opening procedures. So when the person walks in, in the morning, what's supposed to happen? Closing procedures, this is what's supposed to happen. An emergency action plan. This is what's supposed to happen. Our um our marketing, and app, like this is how many times a week we're supposed to post to social media with a call to action, a thought leadership, a member celebration. Um, it's um the facilities. This is how often we're gonna clean the rowers and the treadmills and the barbells, and this is when how often the cleaners come in and this is when we post the website it goes picture then a bold with the um the title of the workout then indent and you created standard operating procedures for the five six seven kind of key things that happen in your organization and you put them on paper now in the beginning that sounds like a lot of work Mm -hmm. it is it's more work than not doing it all totally get that But what you've done, you've created something that's now scalable and repeatable that you don't need to own and that you have some sort of standards in place for what this thing's supposed to look like. Systems is also an acronym. (laughs) Systems don't, we don't put systems in place to make more work. It's just the opposite. In the beginning, yes, it's going to be a little bit more work, just like teaching your kid how to tie their shoes is more work than you just tying them. If you just tie your kid's shoes, it takes me, and that's where I am right now, I have a six-year-old. <laughs> so if I kid tie my kid's shoes, it probably takes for both shoes about 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. If I was to teach him how to tie his shoe, it's probably gonna take five minutes and the shoes aren't gonna get tied. I'm still gonna have <laughs> to right. right. But if I tie his shoes forever, add up the 30 seconds every day. And that is an enormous, enormous number. Now, if I took the five minutes every day for three weeks, that's, a, that's more than, but in the long run, it's way less. Systems, the acronym is they save yourself time, energy, money, and stress. So we're putting these in place so that you can do the other stuff, that you can work on the business, not in the business. In the early stages of kind of entrepreneurial growth pattern, the founder is one-stop shop he does everything she does everything Marketing and cleaning the toilets and the bill pay and creating the product and the marketing and the sa- like.
1: She's the, tying all the shoes. Every she's tying everybody's <laughs> shoes.
0: But the goal is eventually, as it grows, is start to work your way out of that. And it basically once it becomes so painful, I like this for the Airbnb. Brian Chesky, the founder yep. of Airbnb, is you do it yourself until it gets painful. Mm, I've never heard that. That's good. So once it gets so painful, then you try to um, you try to outsource it. Yeah. So
1: just for them, they they in the early days the founders would go to all of the condos or apartments and take the pictures exactly themselves. Exactly right. The founders and At some point, they ran were the photographers. The, yeah. So then eventually
0: that became too painful. They yeah. couldn't do it anymore. So what they did is they then hired or outsourced for it. They hired photographers. Then they managed those photographers until they could no longer manage them. Then they hired someone to manage <clears> them. <throat> then it got so painful that they did the third step, which is then you then automate it. Right. They actually created a system that automates the whole thing. So that's how these systems get put into place.
1: Yep, really cool um i had another question but we've this is this is one of our longer ones so i think this is maybe a good place to wrap it up anything else on the the theoretical development of a business worth hitting on before we let people I, I think
0: so that's the theoretical development of a business and i think the most important part is to become a critic of business mm-hmm. to become a critic of excellence. Every time you are a proprietor, every time you come in contact with a business, you go to a restaurant, you hire a plumber, you go on a whitewater rafting trip, whatever it is, every single time, ask yourself, where are they on that spectrum of com- competence, complacency, and excellence? And I said that a little, of, yep. of of uh, um, complacency, complacency. Yep. competence, and excellence. Ask yourself, are they doing everything they can to make this that much better for the customer, or are they kind of running this business because... They're kind of like somewhere in between or they just not care. They're opening the doors and letting people come in. If you do that and you dissect their business, both from a revenue perspective, like this, I was lucky enough as a kid that my dad would do this. We would go, um, you know, a whitewater rafting trip and he'd be like, we it'd just be like our part of our conversation. It's really cool. He'd be like, so they have eleven rafts. They have this many guides. There's six there's six people on a raft. Yeah, everyone's paying 150 bucks this much. What do you think they're paying the employees? This one may get per raft. They're just putting these eleven rafts. He did it with toll booths. We go through a toll booth. <laughs> we would time how long it takes to go through a toll booth. It would be about um eight seconds. There was eleven toll booths that we go through that sounds crazy, but I think that's what I remember. Mate, whatever. Six toll booths, six seconds to get through it. That's one second per car. Every car is throwing in a quarter. You know, um, how much those is those road making? Back in the olden days, they were With, throwing, throwing yeah. quarters. So how much would this toll booth yeah. be making? You just kind of run through that. Yeah. So it's like from an operational I perspective really like and that. a business perspective, cash flow perspective. What are they kind of turning? And then the next part of that is like organizationally. What could they do to improve? Could they get a new carpet? You know, could they be playing better music? Could they um, smile more? Could they pay more attention? Could And you just got to figure out. And then what happens is if you become that critic of excellence with other businesses, you can't help but become a critic of your own business. And that's when the tables turn, in my opinion. And that's when you start to really move forward because you go, oh, my God, there's all these things we could be doing to improve. But I don't have the bandwidth to do any of them. Get it. Want a capacity to do it? I get it. I know I got to do these things. I want to do these things, but I don't have the capacity to do any of these things. It hurts so bad. I'm so busy putting out fires. What do I need to do? Well, I probably need to systemize some things yeah. and get some other leadership in place so that we can move this business yeah. forward.
1: I really like that uh, that pro- that uh, being a critic of other organizations. I think is uh, that's really cool. I I always think about it in the in the realm of marketing and branding, and I think that you can do it for brands that you have an affinity towards for whatever reason, breaking down the, the things that they're doing that make you want to attach yourself to them. So, you know, we mentioned Rogue earlier. What are they doing? Just, just so you can start to think like a, brand, like a marketer yeah. or think, like, think, think in terms of branding. What, is, what did CrossFit do in the early days to get so many people attached to them so vehemently yeah. that they were willing to to alter the courses of their lives to open gyms or start businesses or whatever.
0: You go someplace and you have a good experience at another yeah. affiliate, you go to another, you learn to windsurf, you go to other, you're learning, to, uh, you go on a ski trip and there's a guide. Yep. What is that guide doing yep. that makes you so drawn yeah. to them? Then you bring that back to your own gym and you bring it to life there yeah. in your own special way. Yeah.
1: That's so cool. I did that the other day. We were uh, meeting with some friends in, in a donut shop and I spent most of the time thinking about how would I make this donut shop better? You think all the time I was like, I wonder what donuts taste like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's really cool. I, I hadn't heard you talk about that before, but that's really, really nice. Um, okay. So, so many, so many good things to, to think about um, as we, as we individually and collectively sort of go out and chase excellence. So thank you for that. And we'll see everybody. We won't see them, but they'll listen to us on a future episode. Thanks, Pat. Yeah. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.